0: Music Before we jump in, we just want to let listeners know that today's episode will focus heavily on sexual assault, but also rape. We will be discussing the allegations against Louis Rubielis and the alleged assault against Jenny Hermoso. We will also be talking about the allegations made against Russell Brand and also the conviction of Danny Martison. So today's episode is a lot. So just take it easy. And if you need to skip this episode, we totally understand. Brianna, what a fucking week like, I don't even know where to start I I genuinely feel like I've had a sensory overload over the last 10 days and it's just every time I've looked at the news or my social media or even just, you know, whatsapps from my friends it's just been hit after hit after hit of just things happening and like, you start with Danny Masterson who's been jailed for 30 years after being found guilty of raping two women with force Um, Then you look at Myla Kunis and her husband, Ashton Kushta, and the fact that they jumped to his defense um, with sympathy letters and character references to try and get the judge to reduce that sentence. Then you got the likes of the allegations against Russell Brand and the dispatches that came out on Channel 4. Yeah. And then the fucking cherry on top was... Quote unquote influencer guy called Sneeko, and he had a bunch of kids, 12 year old boys, run up to him to get a photo. And then they just start saying, Fuck the women, fuck the women, yep. and then all gay should die. And then for Sneeko to respond to that by saying, Well, you know, they're just children and obviously joking. This is how I was when I was 12. Boys will be boys. It's like, No, boys won't be fucking boys. Like, we are teaching people this behavior, we are teaching kids this behavior. This misogyny, the sexism, this this hate, and then the same influence is like, well, no, what have I done? It's like you know exactly what you're doing, and then these rape apologists are like, well, you know, he never raped me, so we really should be suspicious about these women who are now coming forward,
1: and it just, on it just got so much. It's like, what on earth? yeah, I, the, the, you know, the thing with Mila Kunis and and Ashton Kutcher is the so I didn't I didn't see everything about it initially, and. Uh, i mentioned it to someone and they said oh no they 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 um gave the character reference before he was found guilty um it turns out that is not the case they gave him a character reference after he was found guilty because character references are given often to say uh this person's a good person and has lots of um lots of support and essentially if they're put in for in jail or prison for less time they will have support network to make sure that when they come out, everything's fine, and that's that's what those statements are there for. But I just thought it was such an odd decision from of theirs to go. He is a great guy. He's this. He's that. He's the other. When they've just found out that he's been found guilty for rape. Yeah, like, and actually, in America, the most the, the highest level of rape, because like, they have levels of rape. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. like the highest level of rape and it's like you could they they reasonably could have said when we knew him years ago, we thought that he was a good person. He was our friend, etc. However, now we know, you know, this is a prime example of like just because he's a nice guy doesn't mean (laughs) he didn't. He, he's not going to be' what exactly like, is a nice guy up.
0: because of course you're going to be a yeah. nice guy to your buddies right but that's not the point here the point is that you've committed a crime against other people and that's what you're being held account for and i personally don't think that the nice guy defense has any place in a court of law certainly not after the verdict's been passed no
1: and the stuff with russell brand like and have you seen how katherine ryan's been treated since like on social media Yeah, I have. Because she called him out on it. What's interesting, though, is that Daniel Sloss
0: hasn't been kind of commented on in the same way. And he was, you know, the only comedian to actually voluntarily put himself on camera in the Channel 4.
1: Oh, in the in the program.
0: Yeah, he was the only one who um, he said he'd he'd go on the actual official Mm. program. And while he was being interviewed, he spoke about the fact that, you know, this open secret and the fact that his female comedians would have these like WhatsApp channels and stuff where they'd warn each other about uh, predators on the on the circuit. And, you know, if you watch Daniel Sloss's stuff, you know, he was making similar jokes to what Catherine Ryan was making in the sense that, you know, they were hinting at the fact there were these predators within, you know, on the circuit, but obviously never named them. So it is interesting that it's Catherine Ryan taking the heat at the moment
1: because of course she's the one that's the problem right she's the one that <laughs> of course yeah like an awful person for uh for for calling cool. and and she did it in a way so what she's not being criticized for is not saying who it was she's being criticized for Calling it, him out on it.
0: Yeah, because she did the opposite of what everyone else was doing.
1: Like, so she's what is probably that? made what? people
0: feel shit that they weren't taking action as well, and not calling him out.
1: Yeah. I mean obviously she's she's gonna come out of it absolutely fine, but it's it's awful. What a horrible thing to be like, Oh, I actually addressed it with him. I said to his face, You're a predator and I'm the one that's being trolled. Yeah. Just mind boggling yeah. yeah. It's just, it can sometimes feel a little bit
0: uncomfortable with just how quick people are to jump to the defence of alleged predators. And obviously in the case of Danny Masterson, an actual convicted rapist. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you actually have seen the dispatches. Yeah, I have. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um so there were parts of that which made me feel violently sick, and it wasn't just the accounts of the women who were coming forward.
1: Mm-hmm. It was
0: also the relationships that he that Russell Brand had <laughs> with the likes of Ginny Saville and the fact that you yep. know Tim Westwood and the fact that Russell Brand deliberately surrounded himself with people who probably weren't challenging his behavior and the prob- and as we saw, you know, in the dispatches. Jimmy Savile literally eggs Russell Brand on to the point where yep. Russell Brand was prepared to offer his PA um, up naked and like to send her to Jimmy Savile. Like, like, it's just like really degrading language. And it just, it felt like they were just egging each other on. And in a way, kind of, you know, saying, yep, I'm on the same page as you. Like, like this is mm-hmm. acceptable behavior. Um. And then when people do start calling them out for this behaviour and these victims do come forward with their stories, you know, the the alleged rapist, predator, sexual assaulter, you know, the list continues. They immediately get on the defensive. And in the case of Russell Brand, he did a YouTube clip like days before the dispatches came out. Saying that, you know, we can't trust the mainstream media. They just don't like me because, you know, I'm, I'm talking about all these powerful people and they're trying to silence me. And, you know, hey, we shouldn't be trusting women because don't forget women lie about this stuff. And, you know, he was really trying to like stoke the fire around false allegations because, yes, false allegations happen. But it's they're so tiny. They're so, so tiny. But people like Russell Brown try and make them so much bigger. And then you you hear... Again the supporters, like his supporters around this, using the same myths and excuses and victim blaming to to try and discredit these these women from coming forward and, and why didn't they report it sooner? yeah exactly that questioning you know why these women took so long to bring these stories forward, questioning their motive, and it's so deflating to see how much energy goes into trying to discredit. The legitimacy of these women's claims. And, you know, when you look at Weinstein and the fact that 80 women, nope, sorry, 87 women came forward to accuse Weinstein. What would have happened if we'd listened to that first woman? What would have happened if we listened to those open secrets and we actually acted on it and we tried to, we followed the smoke, we tried to work out where these allegations were coming from rather than constantly trying to discredit the women who are brave enough to bring these stories forward?
1: I think one of the things that I I, I I don't know if you saw it. I'm pretty sure I shared it with you. Uh the I I was very concerned that I was agreeing with a Daily Mail columnist. Right. Because uh what's his name? Andrew Pierce is on GB GB News or something. Uh it's like the, the sort of Fox News of the UK. Um and uh he was presenting in the morning with a woman called Beverly Turner who uh, on saturday posted on twitter saying russell brand you're being attacked by the mainstream media um you know you're welcome on my show anytime you're a hero oh and so andrew pierce on live on tv called her out on it and said you are a disgrace and that's horrific and how could you do this and etc cetera, et cetera. and she doubled down and she was like, you don't watch him. You don't, haven't seen his content. He's, he says what people want to hear. Um, and, and she started sort of banging on about what he said about COVID and various other conspiracy theories. And was like, you know, he, he is a hero. Lots of people see him as a hero. And she, he was just like, what are you talking about? Like, even if everything he has said up to this point was, you know, perfect, that doesn't mean he's not a potential rapist. Like, these women have said this stuff, and you're saying he's a hero.
0: It's such a mindfuck, isn't it? Because the same people who are saying that Russell Brand deserves his day in court, right? He's innocent until proven guilty. These are allegations, and they need to be proven in a court of law. And I don't disagree with that, but I also find it amusing that these same people are also like advocating for Russell Brand's innocence they're saying that you know this is all a witch hunt and that it's, it's um, trial by media and we should just leave the poor guy alone and so I don't actually think they want to see him in court I don't think they want to see him be held accountable for their actions or even have this case pleaded out in front of a jury I think they just want us to leave him alone and for it to all go away and for it to all go away means the likes of Catherine Ryan not making jokes about it it's about victims you know staying quiet and not bringing these stories forward and for those, you know, on the trial by media bandwagon, you know, let's not forget that that's the reason why Harvey Weinstein was finally taken to court. He had 87 women come forward and accuse him of rape to sexual misconduct and everything in between. And that that came to light because of the Me Too movement. That came to light because of the media. Um, so the fact that dispatchers have spent, you know, a year investigating this... For... Four years. Oh, sorry, four, four years. Well, then, you know, that makes my next point even more um, weighted because the point, you know, you've got these people online with a hunch that Russell Brand has done nothing wrong versus a documentary which has got four years' worth of investigation behind it and not only four years' worth of investigation behind it, but it's also Channel 4 talking about Channel 4, so they're not going to put something out that obviously incriminates them if it's not right. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And the second point is these people who keep referring to cancel culture, like Russell Brand is not being cancelled, Russell Brand is being accused of sexual assault and rape. In fact, some are questioning why he was allowed to have such a prominent platform for so long. In the case of Russell Brand, he's literally had the opposite effect, he just hasn't been cancelled and no one can understand why, when there are so many allegations circling him throughout his entire career. This isn't about cancelling him, this is about removing the access that he has enjoyed to be able to commit these alleged crimes. It's about choosing to platform people who aren't under investigation for alleged sexual assault and to hear somebody refer to him as a hero after these claims have come forward. How unsettling is that? I mean, the same thing happened with Andrew Tate. The number of people who have supported somebody who is currently under investigation for sexual trafficking. Sure, let him have his day in court before we start saying that he's guilty. But for God's sake, you know, these allegations aren't made willy-nilly. Like... Only a handful of people ever get accused of crimes this serious, and it's usually because there is evidence behind, you know, to suggest that this activity has gone on. So, to be so fundamentally sure in your head to have that hunch that these people are innocent and that, you know, this is all just a giant witch hunt goes back to what I was saying earlier. This is, I don't actually think people want these you know, these men to have their day in court. I think they want victims to be quiet. I think they want this just all to go away and for us to leave the big, powerful men with their platforms and their hate speech and, you know, their alleged crimes um, and just let them keep living their life the way they always have. And I just... It blows my mind that they'd rather protect that culture and not try and find out the truth rather than believe in victims and actually trying
1: to get to the bottom of all this stuff. And, and the thing is, is that the... the... The people like I said, so if if you see someone as a hero, if you've got someone who is, you know, the the most as far as is outwardly available, is perfect. They've never done anything wrong, and then you discover that they're a rapist, well then you change your mind on everything. Like you can say what they said previously was good. What they said previously they had a point about. This is this whole thing, oh well he he's never done it before, so how can he possibly have done it? This time, It's like because someone does it for the first time at some point, someone is a murderer for the first time, someone is a thief the first time, like all of these things happen once and then, you know, it might not happen again, but at some point they do it once. Um, And and it's just it's just mind
0: boggling. So there have been various studies to suggest that most rapists are actually repeat offenders and they're likely to have anywhere between like two and six victims each. Wow. So if we're not believing women and we're not believing that first allegation, then what we're actually doing is allowing room for these future repeat offences to happen. and yes it is only a handful of men who are committing these crimes and we are very deliberately using the word man here because within the UK system uh, it's only a man who is able to be legally tried or convicted of rape um, under the sexual offences act of 2003 because rape requires a penis and must be penetrative and this isn't to say that women can't be accused of similar crimes they just can't be accused or convicted of rape anyway we digress Um, We know it's not all men, but it's just too many men and when we're not believing women and we're not believing these allegations and we're waiting for 87 women to come forward in the case of Weinstein, before we start taking this stuff seriously, that's when we start falling into the trouble that we're in today. That's why we have such a prominent rape culture. That's why victim blaming is so natural to so many people. It's why both men and women don't feel that they can come forward because they don't think they're going to be believed. I also think we have a really hard time believing that the people that we know and that we love are even capable of this sort of stuff and it's because we've been fed for so long that this stuff happens to us by strangers by monsters by people that are you know completely the opposite to those we choose to spend our time with and yet we know that uh, most sexual assaults most rapes happen by people that we know and so these aren't monsters these aren't fictional creatures these are everyday men these are You know, these are fathers, these are Uber drivers, these are football coaches, these are fucking priests. You know, they're they're here, there and everywhere. And I think people have a hard time coming to grips with that. And definitely when it becomes somebody that they know personally, it's very hard to detach the person you know from the crimes that they have allegedly committed. So yes, it's hard, and I think most people can empathise with that, but what we shouldn't be doing is blaming victims for bringing their stories forward. We shouldn't be blaming victims for the punishment that the perpetrator will now experience, whether that's jail time or a fine. We shouldn't be blaming the victim for the fact that the perpetrator's children is now going to grow up without a father. We shouldn't be blaming the victim for the fact that the perpetrator's reputation is now tainted. The perpetrator should have thought about all of that before they committed the crime, it is not up to victims to stay silent so that these men can continue living the lives that they want to live with no accountability for the actions that they choose to take.
1: But, but I mean, that's all, that whole thing, you know, like you you need to separate out the person from the person you knew or know from the thing they did. But the point is, you didn't know them like there's a part of them, a really yeah. horrible yeah, yeah. part of them that you didn't know. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and that's, that's a really hard thing to cope with. But the other thing is, is that with Russell Brands, he and this is something I think, I think um, Gina Martin said it, uh, that it's, he has uh, hidden, I mean, the the dispatcher's thing was called plain sight, but he has Mm. uh, defended himself through transparency so he's like been mm-hmm. transparent about being a- sex addict he's been transparent about liking certain things about being promiscuous about all sorts and 's gone well, therefore everything's fine. Everything I do is fine because basically you knew what yeah. what this was. you knew who I was, yeah, so it's almost like you're not needing to separate out the person you know and the act he committed because the person we've all seen is a comedian who I have to say I found quite funny or I've, I've found funny in the past, you know, like a comedian who has been really upfront with being a bit gross um, and being mm. a sex addict and being a, an ex heroin addict and, you know, all this stuff, like it's not, it just blows my mind that people think that uh, Russell Brand is, is like holier than thou. Um, But also, so today there's been a lot of criticism because um, YouTube have have decided to demonetize him um, so he can no longer make money from his content. So, yeah, he's still got rights to his content and his books and various other stuff. But I think um, I was listening to Jeremy Vine earlier today on Radio 2 and I think they said that he makes about £100,000 a month from his YouTube channel alone. And he'll no longer be making that. And people are like, that's terrible. That's illegal. That's against free speech, blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, no, YouTube have very strict policies on content creation. And sure, you can look across Mm. YouTube and find awful things. But this is really out there. Like everyone knows that Russell Brand has done certain things or potentially done things that he shouldn't have done. And therefore, YouTube have gone. You have violated all of our content creator rules. And therefore, we're demonetizing you. It's part of what you do when you sign up for you being on YouTube. But also, you don't have a right to be on YouTube. No,
0: this has got nothing to do with free speech. No one's infringing on his free speech. They just said you can't use our platform to say what you want to say. That's a very, very different thing. And what you were saying about Russell Brown being overly transparent, you know, there's a huge difference between being promiscuous and being a rapist. And so for him to unapologetically be promiscuous in public actually has very little to do with the alleged crimes that he is supposed to be committed behind closed doors, like... they they just don't add up and it kind of feels like it's a distraction tool to be like see look i showed you i was overly sexual so if you came to my tv shows if you chose to sit in the audience well that's on you you know what i'm like it's just another form of victim blaming and you know you can be as promiscuous as you like but you still need consent have sex with
1: with hundreds of people but they all have to be consensual
0: (laughs) yeah exactly you don't just get to put your hands and be like i'm a sex addict so everyone should have known better you still need consent, and it doesn't excuse criminal behaviour. And the last thing I want to say is that like, I'm really tired of this whole thing of you know everyone's out to just ruin this person's reputation. It's like, first and foremost, this person ruined their own reputation. Secondly, if we are having these stories come forward, what we're actually gaining is a more accurate description of who this person is. So whilst they've managed to hide their true self um, behind a facade, actually what we're learning about them here is, is all the stuff that we didn't know. And again, I know it's been disputed, but what was really disappointing in the Dispatches documentary was the fact that it it seemed like there were people who did know about Russell Brand. The fact that, you know, it was suggested that things were written into his contract to make sure that he didn't re-offend or commit similar inappropriate behaviour. And then there was that scene where a suggestion was made that, you know, the way we're going to deal with this is just make sure that there are no women working on the projects that Russell Brand is on. So not only are they trying to ring fence his behaviour, but they're also now denying women professional opportunities and asking them to step aside so that this man can continue to progress his career. It's like, honestly, it was so hard to watch. And again, one of the most unsettling things out of it was the fact that um, it's now come to light that apparently when he first met uh, the victim known as Alice was that they were apparently sitting over a dinner table and he goes, I don't give a fuck if you're 12. I just need to know where I stand legally. And it made me feel sick. Like, this is... We spoke about this in the Skipper Generation Girlfriends episode and I know that episode has caused some distress for some people but the reason I find it so hard to be comfortable with big age gaps. When we talk again, talk about big age gaps, we're talking about 20 years plus, it's because of things like this. It's because there are there are people out there who look at ages of consent as a target. You know, they're not interested in the person, they're just interested in being able to fuck the youngest possible thing they can legally, rather than looking at ages of consent as a chance for 16, 17, 18 year olds to be able to explore their own sexuality with people of their own age. No, no, there are men in their 30s who believe that going after a 16 year old is totally within their right and that there's nothing wrong with that because legally it's okay. And some of the feedback we got for the Skipper Generation episode was the fact that we were overtly opinionated that our views weren't balanced and that we didn't spend enough time explaining that some people just fall in love and are happy and they're not in abusive relationships. They just happen to be in a relationship that has a 20 plus year age gap. I
1: actually think we were very balanced on that episode on a numerous occasions, one or other of us said, oh, you know, we understand love is love. We understand blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, we we did it.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. We added those bits in. But I would say that, yeah, every time we brought up a justification, it was probably shot down quite quickly because I mean, you know, I personally just don't buy into a lot of them. And It's not actually up to us to try and make you feel better about this. This podcast is about having conversations around things that make us feel uncomfortable. It's about exploring misogyny and the challenges that come from having misogyny so rife in society, the cultures that then survive because misogyny is so rife, the abuse that happens towards women because we excuse it, like... That episode wasn't meant to make people feel great. And honestly, if you're looking for validation because you're in a relationship with someone who's 20 years younger, go follow Leonardo DiCaprio online. I'm sure he'll have your back. (laughs) And that's the problem with this. Like the, The view that we gave on that particular episode goes against a lot of what we hear in the mainstream. And actually, if you want to feel okay in your decision to date somebody who is significantly younger or older than you... Then that episode isn't for you because we like I fundamentally don't agree with it. I think it sits on a spectrum, and whilst we can probably turn a blind eye to the stuff that happens in the middle of that spectrum, there's so much abuse that happens at either end that i i don't feel comfortable justifying some bits of that spectrum and then not others it doesn't work that way for me so I'm sorry that we upset certain people, but actually if you made, if our episode made you feel uncomfortable, then maybe it's because you're so used to hearing the other narrative and we gave a different point of view. And at the end of the day, you're going to do what you're going to do. You don't need validation from us. What we're saying, though, is the reason why people seem to think that these age gap relationships are totally fine is the same reasoning that Russell Brand has for why he feels that he can go and fuck a 16 year old.
1: I was about to say exactly that. I was going to say exactly that. Like the point is, is we don't have to be balanced. Most of the time we try to at least cover more than one view. You know, certainly when it's the four of us, we've disagreed with each other on yep. things. I know that we don't always all agree. Um, and, you know, there was a couple of points in the Skipper Generation Girlfriends episode where you said, I said something, and you said, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, I think you're being a bit too fair there. This is what I think. And that's the whole point of this is like, this is our opinions. We do do research clearly. And, uh, but ultimately we make our own call on what we think about this. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a bit of me that thinks if you don't like that, like, listen, I want you to listen. If you're one of these people that thinks we are not balanced enough, please keep listening because actually it's good for you to hear another opinion um and you know and give us your opinion as well like that's fine we will listen to you yep. um as long as you have listened to the episode and you take what we say and don't try and twist it that's all I asked from people that are listening and don't agree with us
0: I'd also guess that the reason why people found that episode so challenging was a because we were perhaps not as balanced as we we have been in previous episodes but also Probably, because most people know of somebody who is in a relationship with someone significantly older or younger. So by us saying that, you know, we understand why people find big age gap relationships uncomfortable and we disagree with the numerous excuses which are made up to justify them, I reckon that probably confronted a lot of people because, you know, they they don't want to look to the people that they know as being in a problematic relationship so i understand the pushback and as you said you know that that was our opinion you don't have to agree with it yeah back to you know the russell brand's dispatches you know that probably arguably wasn't balanced either but i think they did a really you know a really great job at bringing these allegations to light and to give it context and to show again the the culture that enabled such behavior to be able to go on for so long without consequence
1: to be to be quite frank dispatches and channel four are not going to do this and and actually go live with it unless they're pretty fucking certain um and the other thing is is dispatches a channel four program is criticizing channel four channel four enabled some of what he did allegedly did um and you know that's that's on them and there will be people at channel four who are now being questioned there will be people who were previously at channel four who will be questioned and if it goes to court they will be in they'll be in court giving evidence but i imagine there'll be an investigation into channel four now that's to 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 actually allow that program to be broadcasted means that they are going channel four should be criticized but they still went ahead with it because it's better that they have, they have this evidence, not just smoke, they have evidence that that shows that the chances are he is, you know, at, at best, a predator, at worst, a rapist.
0: Yeah, and the reason we get to this point is because the law is failing women. And so the only other recourse they have is to, you know, go around these outlets where there is investigatory work being done on their behalf because a lot of the time women turned away from the police and they don't even start investigations of this sort of stuff they barely write a report so if you're one of the people being like "Oh, trial by media why didn't they go to the police just stop and think about it for a second because the victims of danny Masterson did go to their scientology um, community and they were told explicitly not to go to the police NDAs are famously used as gagging clauses to prevent employees from being able to report issues to authorities outside of the workplace, and a lot of powerful people use them to keep their victims silent. We also know that women do go to the police but when they do they're often not believed or they're turned away because they don't have sufficient evidence to be able to prove their case and those who don't go forward may do so for a whole number of reasons some of those being that a they haven't recognized what's happened to them is actually abuse the second is out of fear when you consider that most people are raped by somebody that they know you may be in a dangerous situation, not able to report, or secondly, you may have confusing feelings towards that individual, so whilst you know that they've committed a crime against you, you also are affectionate towards them and don't want any legal repercussions to come their way, or you know their children to be removed from them and Lastly, you know like just just go on social media, look at all these apologists who are just victim blaming and using all the likely tropes to put down people who have been brave enough to bring their voices forward like why would you want to put yourself in a position where that could potentially be your jury the reason women don't come forward are the same reason that men don't come forward they, they fear that they're going to get ridiculed that they're going to get shamed and blamed for what happened to them that they're going to have to relive the ordeal and of course you know they they fear they're not going to be believed and from what i've been reading this week i wouldn't trust the jury either Oh, it's just—it's just been so much, so much.
1: <laughs> so we've we've launched into this without uh, our our normal intro, and I think that probably shows just how much this week has uh, has stressed us out. Because today we're going to be talking about the Women's World Cup, and we are going to be talking about more than the kiss. But there has been stuff around the kiss, which again is sexual assault, um, and so that's been happening as well in in almost in the background of all of this stuff because you know the russell brand stuff's overtaken everything and you know there's been and and the danny masterson stuff and etc cetera, et cetera. and like you say it's been pretty mm. it's been pretty shit to be online and so uh, that's why we've we've launched into this in such a kind of a visceral manner <laughs> but hey grab a glass of wine and join us
0: <laughs> oh yeah god welcome to the unfairest sex i'm ellie <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I'm Janice, and uh, there's going to be camaraderie and yeah. there and some laughs, but there'll also be some anger and uh, some ranting and raving. Uh, but yeah, I've got I've got two drinks on the go because uh, I felt like this might be a long one. So I've I've nearly finished my margarita, which I've recently discovered that margaritas are delicious when well made. Um, and I've got a gin and tonic, okay. <laughs> so very 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 nice. So we've we've launched into this without uh, our our normal intro, and I think that probably shows just how much this week has uh, has stressed us out. Because today we're going to be talking about the Women's World Cup, and we are going to be talking about more than the kiss. But there has been stuff around the kiss, which again is sexual assault, um, and so that's been happening as well in. In, almost in the background of all of this stuff because, you know, the Russell Brand stuff's overtaken everything and, you know, there's been, and, and the Danny Masterson stuff and et cetera, et cetera. And like you say, it's been pretty, mm. it's been pretty shit to be online. And so uh, that's why we've we've launched into this in such a kind of a visceral manner. So before we move on to the kiss, because um, I think we need a little break from sexual assault. Hmm. Um, just just a short one would be lovely. So we're going to talk about the w- Women's World Cup, the stuff about money and stuff about um, issues holding back with the women's game. I don't know uh, if there's anything else you kind of want to cover. Um
0: Nope, nothing to add to the list. Um, the only thing I'd say before we jump in is a very happy retirement to Megan Rapinoe, who famously said that she wouldn't go to the fucking White House and meet the then-president Donald Trump if the US won the 2019 World Cup. Uh, that was actually her third World Cup. She did four World Cups and has now um, hung up her boots. So we hope she enjoys her retirement. Also, a huge congratulations to Mary Earps, otherwise known as Mary Queen of Stops, For winning FIFA's Best Women's Goalkeeper, FIFA's WWC Golden Glove, as well as being England's Women's Player of the Year. That's quite the list of achievements for just one player. Oh, and she also became the first goalkeeper ever to save a penalty in regular time in a World Cup final. And that includes both men and women's tournaments.
1: Oh my goodness, wasn't she amazing? Wasn't she amazing? Absolute class. Like, Like just astonishing. Yeah, what... And, And that stop was just brilliant yes yeah so um so yeah so i think um we're gonna do a a little bit of an overview of the world cup and how awesome it was um and clearly we will cover the kiss because that has kind of overshadowed a lot of stuff but i think we should probably uh first start with uh the women's world cup was the second highest revenue generator of any sporting event after the qatar world cup which is pretty bloody cool like the women's World it Cup, it's pretty bloody cool. It generated six hundred million US dollars, and the men's World Cup was six hundred eighty-six million, uh six hundred eighty-six million US dollars. So, really bloody cool. That, like, that's.
0: Let's just hope it gets recycled back into women's sport, though, rather than uh... But straight back into yeah. the federation. Because that's the problem, isn't it? It's just like, they haven't made that. The federation's made that. Or the sporting body, FIFA, everyone else who's involved. And so like, let's just yeah. hope they get recycled back into female players for helping to mm-hmm. obviously get that much money.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the really incredible things is, is that um, it was expected that the Women's World Cup was going to need to be subsidised. Um, and so that it wouldn't make any money. And then it nearly made yeah. as much as the Men's World Cup. <laughs> Which, but, you know, is amazing. I mean, don't
0: underestimate yeah. women, right? We've been saying that for years.
1: You know, and it's bringing lots, of, like, girls' football has gone through the roof. Like, it's it's brought in all sorts of, you know, interest to, to women's football. Um, you know, and it's finally being shown on TV at a decent time. And, yeah, it's like, I feel like everyone's getting behind, certainly in the UK, everyone's getting behind women's football. I know in other parts of the world that's not necessarily the case um you know women's football might be quite a new thing to some parts of the world i know that jamaica crowdfunded their spot wow um which is a pretty astonishing that they you know they did so well yeah they really did and yet they crowdfunded their spot that, that's pretty cool um yeah
0: but also like what like how like how how are we still here that people are having to crowdfund their way to tournaments so like these are the mm-hmm. best female players in the country and they're having to crowdsource themselves to get to tournaments, which their male counterparts would probably just be handed tickets to. So, like, we we need to be... Again, it's it's that case of, like, you know, pat ourselves on the back for the UK team, you know, gaining additional money, Australia team, Spain, all that kind of stuff. But until everyone has it, has, that like equal access, then we we haven't done enough, right? And we need to keep fighting for every team to have that equal access to this sport.
1: Yeah, and I think you, you said about Australia, you know, Australia... Um clearly does incredibly well as well and uh many of the team um still have part-time jobs alongside playing football which is just utterly insane but because of how well they've done um or how well they did and the ratings being so good and uh the amount of money it brought into australia the thought is now that actually this is going to unlock a lot of money for women's football in Australia, which is awesome. Um, but the you know it's astonishing that in Australia in 2015 the male players were capped at earning five hundred thousand dollars to play in the World Cup. One player said that when they got to the quarterfinal, a female player got to the quarterfinal in 2015, they made seven hundred and fifty dollars. <laughs>
0: So, men are capped at half a mil, but the women are earning less than a grand—like
1: seven hundred and fifty
0: dollars. <laughs> it's embarrassing. I mean, like, did that even cover the cost of her flight? <laughs>
1: yeah, who who knows? Like, what other funding they had during that? But I can't imagine it being that much. Um, but yeah, that year in twenty fifteen, the winning team, female team, got two million dollars in comparison to the thirty five million that the men got. <laughs> Um, But then on top of that is um, issues around like various benefits they get, like preparation Mm. funding and club benefits. So prize money from this year. So 2022 Men's World Cup, the prize money was 440 million US dollars. And in the Women's World Cup, it was 110 million US dollars. Of course it was. So we're already four times less. Then the preparation funding, there was 48 million to the men 31 million to the women Mm. and then club benefits now I don't really know what this covers but the club benefits 209 million dollars for the men 11.5 million for the women so they're working at like with so much less than the men are like and yeah
0: plus the boys got a 50 year head start as well
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: This is why I get really sick of hearing, well, you know, the women just aren't playing up to the men's standard. It's like, well, firstly, women aren't mini men, so we're going to be playing a different game anyway. But secondly, the resources and the funding and the discrimination that women have faced over the years have significantly affected which coaches are available, which training grounds are allowed to play on. You know, as you quite rightly mentioned, like there are people here... Who have to have a second job, so also then trying to factor in training. You've got young girls being kicked out of teams when they reach puberty, so they actually have really long breaks before they're allowed to play football again. And so all that additional time where boys are getting taught the additional skills that they need, or they're getting scouted earlier, like girls miss out on all of that. It's it's not an equal game. It never has been.
1: Two things. Two things from that. So you saying about. Um... You know the accessibility and women having to, women and girls having to stop at a certain time and various other things. You know we've also got the the knowledge of injury is quite heavily based on male on science of men, mm-hmm. and so yeah. women get injured. So the ACL I think is one of the biggest injuries for women, and I know a lot of men get the ACL injury, but research around that injury and research around women's bodies when it comes to sports injuries is pretty low and it's only quite recently that that we're starting to see that change and so you know there's a better understanding of like the way we deal with pain at certain times of our cycle um also at certain times of our cycle our ligaments are actually looser you know like you can get worse injuries because of the time of your cycle that you're in and so that all needs to be taken into account like physio needs to be different and and supporting you know uh kit and so on and menstrual health exactly um research has found that 82 percent of female football players reported pain and impaired performance because of the available footwear so this is something that i'm sure we've discussed previously that a lot of sportswear and not just football but sportswear generally um is designed for men mm-hmm. and it is just smaller versions of the men's stuff that women get so women's feet and ankles are not the same as men's feet and ankles you know as i've just said our ligaments are different mm-hmm. and so that and actually our ligaments and uh M would be able to say, would probably be able to tell me more about this, I'm sure. But there's some, I'm sure there's something to do with, if you've had a baby, your the way your joints and your ligaments work is different because of the, the pressure of giving birth and all sorts of stuff. And so like we are, you know, so different when it comes to the way our bodies work that you can't just have a smaller version of what the men yeah. have. So there are now female branded like there's now uh football boots for women but whether that whether there's been enough science put into that yet is is Mm. unclear um and what the outcome of that will be is unclear but you know i'm hoping again that with the amount of money that women's football is generating maybe that they'll maybe they'll start to actually think about this stuff and put more effort into how Yeah, how women are looked after Mm -hmm. when it comes to sport or particularly football.
0: I bloody hope so because what I'm seeing at the moment is that a lot of women are just getting fed up and doing it on their own. Um, One example is a company called Ruggets which was set up by Victoria Rush and her business partner, Steph Evans. And what they noticed is that there was enough female players to warrant creating a line of women's kit. But one of the hurdles that they recognised quite early on was that A lot of people, because they've been wearing men's kit for so long, they were concerned that because they'd accepted that status quo, that it wasn't going to feel like a priority for them to then invest in women's kit, like women's specific kit. Uh, But I think actually they've been quite successful since they've launched. Another example is Alison Felix, who is one of the most decorated female track and field Olympians. And she did quite a public breakup from Nike in 2019 over maternity protections. And since that breakup, she has created a new lifestyle brand for women and also a shoe company. So obviously that reinvests back into herself. And then obviously there's the likes of Serena Williams, who I believe still has a deal with Nike, but still went off and did her own thing anyway, because she's just that badass. Um, We've seen Nike bring through the first ever sports hijab. Um, Oh, and actually another really cool thing that's happened over the last couple of years is the fact that certain sports have now allowed... Allowed... um, Female athletes are, are now allowed or permitted to be able to wear dark undershorts um, on things like football and in tennis. And I actually saw shorts in hockey. And obviously the most, the more traditional wear is, is a sport. um So we are seeing these like changes come in because there's been more public conversation around what women need. And as you quite rightly said, like women aren't just mini men. So if we are designing for them with that in mind, obviously we're gonna set them up for failure. So by designing with women in mind and kind of what their unique characteristics are and what their body shapes are and what they need, hopefully, again, they'll get the same support in their performance as men have been getting for years. But there's only two ways we're gonna achieve this. One is we need to start paying women more so they actually have the, the free income to be able to invest back in themselves. Or B, the institutions and sponsors actually put the money where their mouth is and back women's sport and actually make sure that they are doing dedicated programs that help support female athletes.
1: Not only are women not getting their right kit, they they, as you just said, they're not being paid the same amount, so they might not be able to set up these lovely businesses to create better kit. Um, and the argument is, well, it's not as popular, or they're not as good. Oh, that's what I was going to say. Have you seen the AI? football advert so yes, orange did yes, an advert uh where they uh used ai to make all of the players men when and and you know them all doing these incredible things and then said actually these are all female players but had we shown you these as you know this is stuff that women were doing the chances are You wouldn't have thought it was as impressive and it's not, the football's not as good. Um, But yeah, so, you know, they don't bring in as as many viewers. We know that's rubbish because of the World Cup. Uh, They don't bring in as much money. They don't bring in the advertisers. So all of those things. So we know that in 2015, the Women's World Cup was watched by 764 million people. In 2014, the Men's World Cup was watched by 3.2 billion So what that means is the men's world cup was watched by four times as many as the women's world cup, Mm -hmm. but the men's prize money was 13 times higher. (laughs) Well, of course. So if it was four times higher, you could go, all right, that's fine. It was watched by four times more people. So that makes sense. And then it's like, okay, well, what about advertising? So like, the the advertising that the men's team uh, uh, is going to be much more than the women's nope so fifa bundles together its biggest sources of revenue broadcasting rights and sponsorships for all of its world cup events so that means that the rights to broadcast the men's world cup are bundled in with a package of the women's world cup and so since the rights aren't sold separately you can't work out what the value is from those those two things so uh yeah it's like you you can't you can't say, "Well, the Women's World Cup isn't bringing in as much sponsorship or advertising revenue because it's all bundled together." Oh, um, interesting.
0: Maybe, maybe they're just using their own form of math, like like rabbit math or something, where you know, get a couple of rabbits, the rabbit have a litter, the litter has more rabbits, and it just has that multiplier effect. Maybe that's <laughs> what they're going with. A bunny multiplier. <laughs>
1: I mean, whatever math they're using, it's not
0: working. <laughs> no, regular math is, is failing them here miserably. Or some would say working exactly yep. how it's meant to be working.
1: <laughs> so the FIFA president has told the FIFA Congress in March this year that the ambition is to get equality in payments for the 2026 men's and 2027 women's World Cup. So we'll see, we'll see how that ambition goes and what happens. But I mean, I don't see that it should be ambi- an ambition it should just be and so yeah. you know this isn't about bringing the like if the men have to drop their their pay in order for the women to come up then that should happen because the point they is, going to is be okay. the same money is still yeah the same money is still available if there's 100 yeah. million dollars in in the pot then they can both get 50 million dollars rather than 75 Yeah but this 25. is the point like, isn't it
0: This this is the fear, this is going back to it's not pie, right? And I think that's obviously what a lot of people lean on, it's not pie, there's there's equal opportunity for everyone. But this is saying actually you need to share the fucking pie because you guys have, you know, been safeguarding that for fucking years and it's just like it's now unfair. And if we're sharing the same so much. Yeah.
1: Safeguarding it so much that as we discussed in our previous sports episode, you chucked us out of of football (laughs) for a long time because because you didn't like it that we were doing well.
0: Yeah. And we don't even want more. We just want half. It's just equal. And like, you know, a really good piece of news came through. So this is end of August. Um, So England women's match fees have been increased to equal men's by uh, the England Wales cricket board. Has anything happened to the men's sport? No. <laughs> but what could happen with the women's sport is that, you know, they're actually now being deemed as equal in investment for stakeholders and for the um, England and Wales cricket board. Right. So if they're looking at who they should put sponsor to, uh, sponsorship towards or they're looking to who they should be, you know, um, put, like using their broadcasting rights to to help. What am I trying to say um, when they start actually uh, when they start to consider who deserves TV time, etc.? cetera. But they're going to start looking at them both equally because they're putting the same money into both. So rather than putting the horse behind the car, what the England and Wales board are doing is putting the horse in front of the car and going, let's actually let's put some investment into this and let's give us a reason to keep investment going.
1: Also, why are they not seeing this as a business opportunity? Like, rather than saying, well, the sponsorship's all for men or, or the mm. advertising is all for the men's football, like... You've just gained a huge number of female watchers. Yep. So, yeah, yep. women watch men's football, but I think there are far more women and girls that are watching the women's game because it's so nice to see women's sport on telly and it's so good to support them. And so use it as a business opportunity. Why don't you start advertising tampons and beauty <laughs> products? And I'm, I'm being very, very stereotypical and I recognise that. But, you know, we do targeted advertising. So start advertising things that women like, stereotypically like. Start advertising things that girls like. You know, why aren't they seeing this as a positive? And in fact, the revenue might go up even further. So I don't know if you ever caught the GBN
0: interview between Victoria Rush and Nigel Farage. It was about a year ago. And they were talking about like the emergence of female sport, in particular rugby, um, cricket and football one of the first things that Farage asks of Rush is, you know, do you not think that women's sports have been pushed onto people? And she was like, well, can I, you know, we can turn that around and say, don't you think that men's football has always been pushed onto people? Because there's never been a choice. And he actually agreed with her on that. And then um, she goes, it's also my choice not to watch men's football, which I don't enjoy. And he goes, "Uh, come on now, do you not feel that's quite anti-male? And she went, no, it's not anti-male. Like I enjoy men's cricket. I enjoy men's rugby, but I don't enjoy men's football. And he asked her to explain, and she said that, in her opinion, they just don't seem to show the respect. um, And that respect was between players and referees, but also fans and players. And she said that women's sport just creates safer spaces. Uh, Ferraris then goes on to pretend he doesn't know what she means by safer spaces, so asks her to elaborate. And she goes, you know, women's sports are safer spaces because they attract more families, more women, more children. And as you quite rightly said, Rhiannon, like this is a new business opportunity, surely, because it's opening up an entirely new audience that they wouldn't have had access to, because men's games are far more exclusive to, as Nigel Farage said, tribal men, which I think is a polite way of uh, referring to the hooligan behaviour that we often see at men's matches, such as spitting and you know racism and walking into the local villages and cities and you know, smashing up people's businesses and stuff.
1: And this isn't anecdotal. No. No, it isn't. That's not anecdotal. There have been, there have been, so it's, obviously we know there are stats around the amount of domestic abuse uh, after the Men's World Cup. Yep, yeah. yeah. There have been, and I I can't, I'm certain I have seen this, it has been report, reported that domestic abuse did not go up in the same way. No, right. Like at all. Like, violence didn't go up in the same way, uh, just generally. Like, that, that whole loutish thing that happens during the Men's World Cup yep. did not happen with the Women's World Cup.
0: God, I hope that's true. What's really fun as well is back in 2011, the Turkish FA ruled that there would be no fans allowed at the next two games and punishment for unruly behaviour at the previous game. So instead of letting the usual crowd in, what they decided to do was to let women and children attend instead. So 41,000 people in a stadium with no men. So I think people do understand who is causing problems. And in fact, you know, some of the articles I read about it, like Turkish women were warned not to attend these games when there were men there because it was considered dangerous and unsafe for them. So, yeah, quite nice that the
1: girls got to enjoy a couple of games on their own. So I used to go to the football a lot with my dad when I was young. But we went to Watford and it was pretty nice and family-friendly. But the idea, actually, of taking a child to a premiership football match right now, I think is terrifying. Like, I, I was going when I was four to the football with my dad. Mm. And I I think that's a really scary prospect, like, because you don't know what's going to happen. And certainly in a derby or something, like, that's all, you, you've got no idea what's going to happen. Nope. But like I said, you don't see that same sort of thing at the women's games. You just don't. No. And for the record, this isn't
0: me advocating for people to go and watch Nigel Farage's interviews. It just so happened that this one with Victoria Rush happened to have some very good points in it.
1: God, no. Um, just take what we've, what Ellie just said and don't don't go and give him any more views. Um, I've just got one more thing to say on like the money side of things. Uh, so there has been progress. Um, the first Women's World Cup was in 1989. The women's kit were hand-me-downs from the men. Of course they were. The USA won and there was no celebrations. And like, think about that with America. Like, America celebrates literally fucking everything. <laughs> and all sports and all things. But no, USA, who for a very long time have been the female team. Like, yeah. the America have won... So much in football for a long, long time. Yeah. So there was no celebration. The women were paid $15 a day and they all <laughs> stayed in one room in a B&B. What? Yeah. How,
0: how many what are they the enough fuck? to host a whole squad? Like, is that like they're just a barn at the back with some straw? What the fuck?
1: <laughs> so, yeah, $15 a day. Oh. I just looked up, uh, I've adjusted for inflation. The 1989 winner's. Uh, US were getting paid $37.14 a day so yeah that's crazy wow barely buying you dinner I mean it's just all a bit of a joke really isn't it and you can totally understand why young girls
0: and obviously women never believed that they could be professional sports people because the wages are just so abysmal that you were never going to be able to survive if you did make it completely agree
1: Now, Ellie, I feel like we've had enough of a break from sexual assault. All right, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Shall we go on to the kiss? Yeah, I think it's time. <laughs> so I've got a timeline, and if you'd like, I'll just run through it. You can interrupt me when you like, or we can talk about it all at the end.
0: No, I think it's important to kind of to go through the timeline, step by run step. Th-
1: like, yeah. Okay, Okay. so the 20th of August, Spain win. Jenny Himoto was kissed by Louis Rubiales, During the celebrations, she says she didn't enjoy it. He dismissed her complaints. The federation released a statement from Hermoso saying it was spontaneous and okay. Rubiales says he's sorry for those he offended. The kiss was no big deal and he blamed the emotion of the moment. On the 24th of September, FIFA opened disciplinary proceedings against Louis Rubiales. Louis Rubiales said, do you think this incident is so serious that I should go after the best management in the history of Spanish football? Let me tell you, I'm not going to resign. Not going to resign. I'm not going to resign. On the 25th of August, there was a press conference where he was expected to resign. He didn't and said the kiss was consensual. Uh, The government then started legal proceedings to suspend him. Hermoso released a statement saying that the kiss was not consensual and that the uh, ooh, and that the statement released uh, by the federation was not hers. All female players say they won't play until he was moved. So that was all of the Spanish players. Spanish federation say they will take legal action against them for spreading lies. So that is against Jenny Hermoso and all other Spanish players who have refused to play. FIFA then announced provis- they would provisionally suspend Rubiales for 90 days. The women's coaching team criticised him and the whole coaching staff resigned. So all of that has happened between the 25th and the 27th of August. On the 27th, the Federation uh, for Sexual Violence Protocol confirms an internal investigation into events. On the 28th, the Spanish Federation asks UEFA to suspend the Federation from international competitions due to government interference over demands to remove Rubiales. Rubiales' mum goes on hunger strike, and I've written here, for fuck's sake.
0: <laughs> for fuck's sake.
1: Spanish prosecutors opened investigations to see if it, if what he did was criminal. The Spanish Association requested immediate re- the immediate resignation of Luis Rubiales. On the 1st of September, the sports court said it, the kiss was serious, but not very serious, breach of conduct after his unsolicited kiss. On the 2nd of September, the government asked tri- a tribunal to suspend him on the 4th of September, the 4th of September, This so it happened on the 20th of August, the men's team condemned Rubialis <laughs> for what he did. Well done, boys. <laughs> on the 5th, a statement from the RFEF says Louis Rubiales' behaviour was unacceptable. On the 6th, Hamoso submitted a legal complaint. On the 10th was a Piers Morgan interview with Rubiales where Rubiales announced his resignation. And we'll talk more about that in a minute because oh my goodness that interview okay on the 13th the atletico madrid president says he doesn't know who needs to apologize to who because he was not in either jenny hermoso's body nor luby rubialis's body so he doesn't know who was in the right or the wrong Fucking bullshit. Wow. on the 15th of september so just four days ago a restraining order was imposed on rubialis saying that he could not come within 200 meters of jenny hermoso and he denied any wrongdoing so that there's bound to be stuff in there that i've missed there's there's since been far more um evidence which well i mean not just evidence jenny hermoso outright said the federation's statement that said that hermoso had said that the kiss was spontaneous and absolutely fine uh she said was uh nothing to do with her um, there's been all sorts of talk about threats that are made uh, were made, and that therefore she had no, you know, no say over what was what was released. Um, there was also the thing that Ruby Alice, uh tried to use a video of all the women's team laughing at some of the memes about the kiss as evidence to suggest that it was consensual. Yeah, I saw that. And like, I think I think this all comes back to what we said right at the top of this is believe women right and this happened on a worldwide stage in front of millions how many we say like some insane number of millions of viewers And he Mm. is still saying he
0: didn't do it. Ah, so I don't actually think he's never said he hasn't done it. He just said that it did happen, but there was consent when it happened. And it's exactly the same as what Russell Brand's doing, where he's saying that he's not denying the acts took place. He's just saying that there was consent whilst he was performing. At what point did he say to her, can I kiss you? Well, exactly right. According to Louis Rubielis, there was a whole blown conversation up on stage between the two of them before he did what he did. And yet, you know, he also has used the word spontaneous a few times. So which one was it, buddy? Was it spontaneous or did you have a full blown conversation because uh, one negates the other? Did you also see that Spain's Football Federation published a string of photographs that they were trying to use to prove that it was Jenny Hermoso who in fact lifted Louis Rubielis off the ground? And the purpose of these photographs was to suggest that it was actually Jenny who instigated the you know overexcited moment between the two of them and actually those photos have since been disproved yes his feet leave the ground but you can totally see it's his own body weight like he's lifting himself up so honestly some of the tactics they're trying to use against Hermoso are absolutely appalling like first they try to sue her then they pretty much forge a press release and claim that they got her consent which has now been suggested that they didn't Then they try and use video footage of her on the bus to show that she isn't the perfect victim, so she can't possibly be upset about this whole thing. And then they bring out these photos, which have obviously been disproved as well. So there's just, honestly, some really despicable tactics at play here. And then there's the fucking mum, who's locked herself in a church. (laughs) Like, oh my god, such such drama. And what's perhaps most sad about this is that, certainly for Jenny Hermoso, but also for everyone who participated in the World Cup, Like, this was a massive moment for women's sport, this was a massive moment for Spain, it was a massive moment for England, and yet all of that has been overshadowed because one man felt entitled to, allegedly, sexually assault a player. And there's a lot of people who keep going on about the fact that that he would never do that with a man, and the reason that argument is important in this conversation is because they're right, he... He wouldn't have done it to a man, and the reason that's important is because it shows his learnt behaviour. Men such as Ruby Ellis have been taught who not to touch, and who they can get away with touching, whose space they're allowed to encroach on, and whose space they should respect. And again, one example that comes up a lot is that when you move past somebody, do you feel the need to put your hand on their waist? If you do, it's probably because they're a woman. Wolf Whistling is another example. You don't see men wolf whistling other men because it's learnt behaviour and it's all very targeted. So it's not just that he wouldn't have done it to a man or that we wouldn't see it from a woman. It's that men know which lines certain structures and legal systems and boys clubs will let them cross without consequence. And that's exactly what we're seeing here with Ruby Ellis. And that's why he hasn't apologised, that's why he's refusing to resign, that's why he keeps going on about the fact of all his achievements and how this would be a massive loss to the football community if they dared to, you know, sack him. It's the reason why he is trying to accumulate as many allies as he possibly can so that he has the boys club behind him. It's why he's suing Jenny and it's also why he went on Piers Morgan's show to resign rather than just resigning quietly and walking away. It all feeds into this egotistical. I'm a man. I'm entitled. I can do what the fuck I want.
1: I mean, the point is, he and that's, but that's the point. He he didn't say I'm so sorry. I like he said I'm sorry for those I offended. Yeah, hundred percent. Like that's that's what he said. And so the thing is, is he? So he said he said a few things. You know, he said it was consensual, and that I mean, we're we're part of the problem here. Really, he said that false feminists are uh, who he blames for the outcry. (laughs) Yeah. Then he said. The spontaneity and happiness of the historic moment led us to carry out mutual and consented act, the product of great enthusiasm. At no point was there any aggression. There was not even the slightest discomfort, but an overflowing of joy. Okay. Does this not remind you of that Italian groping
0: case that we covered a few weeks back where the judge threw it out on the grounds that it was 10 seconds long and there was no lust? And so there couldn't possibly be assault? This feels like that. If I keep saying the words, you know, joyful and spontaneous and, you know, all this stuff. And I I know that in Spanish law, aggression is important because it can lower your sentence. But it just feels like he's trying to mitigate the harm he caused in that moment. Probably so he can rely on that when he gets to court. The second point is that he kept referring to the fact that there was no dominant position. I mean, like, he's literally her boss. He gets veto power whether she plays a game or not. If that's not a powerful dominant position, if that's not power play over somebody else, like what? <laughs> of course that was a dominant position. You were literally her fucking boss. So the naivety of this man or the just like weaponized stupidity of him is just getting really old really quick. You don't get to go around kissing colleagues at work just because you fancy it. That's it. That's the end of the story. The third thing that you mentioned was the false feminism. And uh, yeah, the the sentiment that I think he's trying to get across is that he wouldn't be in trouble if this call for accountability had been from quote-unquote real feminists and that the uh, non-consensual kissing isn't a real issue that real feminists would be angry about. And boy, is he wrong. I would wager that every feminist would have an issue with anyone being kissed without consent by somebody else it's it's pretty you know feminism 101 you don't get to just go around and assault anyone you want to uh it's also the law so um for him to keep going on about false feminism is is laughable he also described it as a great scourge on this country and obviously by this country he's referring to spain um and again it just like he's trying to get across the fact that like women asking not to be abused is the cause of evil rather than the abusers themselves like think about that <laughs> Like, the reason he's getting grumpy is because women are finally standing up to power structures that have humiliated them, that have abused them, that have, like, stripped them of their dignity for fucking centuries, and women are finally standing up to that. That's what he's got an issue with. It's not feminism, it's the fact that men are finally being held to account, whereas before they would have been patted on the back. And the last thing I want to talk about is the fact that Ruby Ellis kept going on about the fact that he doesn't deserve this hunt. Now, the phrase hunt or witch hunt has been used um, a lot, actually, in the last couple of years by these big, powerful men who have been accused of illegal activity. And Trump is a prime example. He tweeted the phrase witch hunt approximately once every three days on average during his 2020 presidency. And not only in connection with his impeachment trial, but pretty much anything that you know he didn't like. Um And I think the reason for me, the reason why this phrase is so problematic and the irony that it's currently being used by big powerful men is because witch hunts were created by powerful men with the backing of the church way back in the uh, the 1400s. These men used witch hunts as a justification to murder women that they had suspicions about with no evidence. So it's insulting that modern-day men Feel that they can use the term witch hunt to try and discredit more than a dozen women involved in Spanish soccer who are describing more than a decade of systemic sexism ranging from paternalism and offhand remarks to verbal and as of a month ago physical abuse. These claims are not unfounded. Women are not needlessly hunting men. Women are trying to find accountability for the harm that has been caused against them. And it's insulting that the likes of Ruby Ellis and Vilda, rather than accept their role in these sexist cultures and the complaints of these women, no, no, instead they double down on the fact that both of them have had a really hard year and are both victims of women trying to make false speech sound true. Those are Ruby Elias' words. And what I'm really fucking bored of is feminism being described as the evil of today rather than the men causing abuse. Rather than people who feel entitled to touch and kiss and, and assault anyone they want to. Why like why is calling this behavior out the evil and not the behavior itself? Can you imagine how much further along we would be if we actually wanted to solve this problem rather than just looking for anyone and everything to blame instead of the thing that's actually causing the harm
1: absolutely and and it's just like i I think uh this has been something obviously that's a worldwide problem, and that that hmm. you know we're a- around the world. You're seeing who are the people defending him and who are the, you know, false feminists who are not. Um, But the thing is, in Spain, I feel like this was like the straw that broke the camel's back with regards to issues in the Spanish Federation, but also in Spanish society and culture generally. Um, I don't think I realised like just how sexist Spain is um, and, uh, and racist um and you know S- Spanish society has kind of had this pact of silence and has been normalizing sexist behavior and now there's a need to like start supporting women who are brave enough to speak out but then we yeah. see what happens um and um you know in the the, the what, who was it the hard right vox party um, said that Rubiales. So we're back to the witch hunt. Uh, said that Rubiales' case was a political witch hunt designed to obfuscate the errors committed by the government with regards to sexual sexual violence law. So the current caretaker government um, has recently been in heated debates over women's rights, and government opponents uh, criticise the sexual violence law that introduced the concept introduce the concept of consent. Fuck me. Um, recently uh, but so the reason it was uh, criticized was partly because it inadvertently introduced a loophole enabling over a thousand imprisoned offenders to get their sentences reduced or ended early Um, but but the point is is that you know this whole thing is being made political now in that they're going you're doing this and the government are doing this to fix problems with the laws it's like no no this is being done because on a world stage someone kiss someone that they should not have kissed that they had no right to kiss, yep. no right to touch yep. like in yep. whatever and the thing is I think I I think I posted something about this or I commented on Instagram or something and someone responded to me saying well he would have kissed a man in the same way like it was just a joyful joyful thing it's a thing that Europeans do and it's like don't think it fucking is
0: so I've got Spanish colleagues and they have said this is definitely not culture like we don't go around doing this to people and that aside yeah, going back to you know he wouldn't have done this if this was a man if he did do it to a man it would still be assault kissing anyone without consent
1: is assault whether it's a man or whether it's a woman absolutely and and i think this is really you know it's it's kept the world cup in in the papers for all the wrong reasons but i did see someone say that while it is all the wrong reasons and while this is horrendous for Jenny Hermoso and every and all the Spanish players and women's football generally,
0: yeah.
1: it is positive that this has been brought to light. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. you know, obviously we've had the, There's a history of issues in the Spanish team and the Spanish federation around women and how they're treated, um, but also that it's highlighted the sexism. And as you said, racism, but sexism in particular in Spain. Um, and it's and so there was, uh, and I think more people are realizing that things should be called out. So uh, there was a just this week, there was a a female Spanish newsreader who was broadcasting oh, okay. live on air, and this guy came up and grabbed her bum. Yeah. yeah and the anchor went did he just touch you did he just touch your bum and she said yes and she was like smiling because it's like this is this yeah. is embarrassing i'm live on air what the hell do i do yeah and so he said can you get him on can you get him on screen and he he was like that's absolutely inappropriate and i don't i can't remember exactly what he said and clearly it was translated so um who knows you know the precise translation but you know i i think the news company are kind of proceeding I with think some kind arrested. of legal action yeah but i don't know any more of that like
0: i don't know where else it went after that but um
1: like i think the reason
0: why stories like that scare me a little bit is because there just doesn't seem to be any fear about doing these sort of things towards women and certainly like no fear about doing it and being caught for doing it like both the example you just gave and the one with ruby ellis and uh Hemoso, both were done on cameras like like cameras being live streamed to bigger audiences and yet these men still don't have a filter in their head to be like, oh, I should probably not do this. So if they're, if being caught publicly doing this sort of stuff isn't going to scare them, then what the fuck are they doing behind closed doors? And because of everything that's happened, you're absolutely right. You know, one positive, if you want to call it that, um, for all this stuff coming to, uh, to the mainstream is the fact that other stories are now coming forward about how the Spanish team have been treated for years. And again, what's so laughable about it is the fact that these men are like, oh my god, I just never knew this about my colleague. Like, 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 I couldn't possibly point my finger at anyone. Like, I didn't know this stuff was going on. And actually, Laura Bates made a really good point on her Instagram the other day, and this was actually in reference to Russell Brand. But she said, they're not stupid. They know what's going on. What all these men are really saying isn't, I don't think he did it, but rather, I don't think he should face any consequences. I don't want the deeply misogynistic status quo of endemic sexual violence to change. I want women to remain disempowered and abused in our society because it benefits me. I don't want other men facing consequences for their past behaviour because I look back at how I have treated women and I am terrified I might be next. And I think she hits the nail on the head. Because even when 15 players ultimately banded together and refused to play under Mr. Wilder, Mr. Rubiales refused to fire him. And the Federation responded by requiring that the players apologise for their actions before being considered...
1: Whether or not they'd be allowed to return and play for the team, and and following that was that that was in 2022, right? Not the not yeah yeah. 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 So following that, uh, rather than listen um, to the statement, they were accused of trying to get Vildasak threatened them with a five-year ban and were told they had to apologise and realise their error in order to be able to return. And only three of
0: them ended up playing in the World Cup this year. Yeah. Um, and if you, you know, there's loads of evidence, uh, loads of interviews that have come out since from previous players who have suggested that, you know, when they were on tour with the team, they were, had to keep their bedroom doors open and unlocked. Um, if you were eating, um, you had to always be it like going for a coffee. You always had to be in eyeshot of the manager to make sure that you weren't off gossiping to people and saying certain things. Um, and the bag searched. Had their bags searched all the time. You know, you can see that there's videos coming up of being like inappropriately touched during some of the uh, training courses and um, training sessions, but also like matches and uh, you know, various things kept coming through, which is just really horrendous. Some of them were basically told they had to go and find themselves husbands with big dicks. Um,
1: I haven't seen that. That's insane. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> So this is thing actually. So I've 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 seen some of this stuff, mm. but like I was talking to someone about this the other day, and they said, "Well, you know, all they did was uh, complain that the management style was bad." And you know, what's what's wrong with a management style, or the you know, it's like because it wasn't just about them not liking his management of the team. Yeah. This wasn't uh we don't like the formation that you're creating uh, that you're putting together for the team, or we don't like what you know the number of jewels you're getting to do or whatever this was like again verging on at least verging on sexual sexual misconduct in that Mm. they were inappropriately touched they were continuously having their um their privacy violated Mm. and then you know being told stuff like go and get a husband with a big dick like jesus
0: yeah. So the exact phrase was, what you really need is a good man and a big penis. And according to Ms. Veronica Bucchetti, this was said by Mr. Wilder's predecessor, a guy called Ignacio Cuida, I think, something like that. Um, but you yeah, know, loads of stuff has come to light. And it's, it's really quite shocking. Um, there was a story in the New York Times from uh, Anna... Munos, who was the soccer federation's former vice president for integrity, she said that one of the reasons that she departed was because she was just there for decoration, nothing more than a flower pot. So, and in her words, a flower pot. She also questioned the ethics of several of Mr. Rubiales' decisions, including a forty-three million dollar deal to move a soccer competition to Saudi Arabia, um, and also the fact that Mr. Rubielis used federation money to host a sex party. At a coastal villa in the south of Spain, unsurprisingly, Miss Rubielis has denied any wrongdoing in either case, but they are both under investigation. So we'll we'll see what comes to light there. Um, but I just I don't know. For me, it's fascinating that this stuff. It isn't just about the kiss. There is just a systemic issue within the Spanish team. And what's super interesting is that even today. So even though Louis Rubielis has now resigned and um, Jose Vilda has been sacked. 20 members of Spain's women's world cup winning squad will not return to the national team for September's nations league fixtures because they're not it's not about Louis rubiales it's not about jose vilda they were definitely part of the problem they needed to go but what these players are asking for is a complete restructure of the spanish football association the rfef to remove the people and this is now their words who have held, incited, hidden or applauded attitudes that go against the dignity of women. Sacking one person to bring in someone equally bad is never going to solve this. What they're asking for is a safe place where women can be respected, where they can get the support that, you know, any other professional athlete has benefited from and where they can give their maximum performance, where they can do the job that they love to do. And that involves, you know, breaking down the the situations and the practices which have been feeding into a very misogynist, a very sexist, a very harmful culture for the Spanish
1: team. Yeah. But what you're forgetting, Ellie, is that this is, you know, this is all very lovely and stuff, but he has got daughters and therefore Rubialis can't be a bad person because this is the thing that Piers Morgan kept h- harking on about in his interview. So Piers Morgan essentially gave Rubialis a free ride. Like... He, in that moment, was... I mean, I'm not going to claim... I'm ne- never going to say that Piers Morgan is a is a journalist, like a proper <laughs> journalist. But at no point did he try and be a proper journalist. At no point did he ask any hard questions. You know, it was... He asked, you know, Cheryl Cole harsher questions about her relationship with, you know, with the rest of Girls Aloud than he did about, you know, Ruby Alice about sexual assault. Um, mm. And, you know, he... He was like, "Well, you know, you've got daughters, and your daughters are very proud of you, and blah blah blah." And it's like, who fucking cares if he's yeah. got daughters? Like, I mean, if anything, this that makes it worse. Like, also, have you spoken why? to
0: them since this? Because I, I like guarantee, if you spoke to the daughter and be like, "How proud are your daddy now?" They'd probably be like, "Not so fucking proud anymore." Like, well, what and the fuck the is he doing? Is, like,
1: why didn't Piers Morgan say to him, "How would you feel if your daughter had just won the biggest thing of her career, whatever it is?" But she's yeah. just done the best thing of her career and she was kissed by the leader of that organisation. Like how would you yeah. feel?
0: I mean, my guy is saying he try and justify it in exactly the same way he's been trying to justify his own behaviour. This is a man who defends abusive men. It, literally, when Vilda had that letter written to him by all the players of the Spanish team, Rubielis was in a position to be able to support the women, but instead he sided with Vilda. To the extent that he starts publicly sympathizing with Vilda in his own I'm not gonna resign speech by saying that they both have had a bad year because of all these allegations coming through. Ruby Ellis is the reason that Vilda kept his job after this letter came through. He also publicly offered Vilda a new contract, increasing his salary from one hundred and seventy thousand euros to half a million euros a year. This man doesn't just protect people like himself, he rewards them. So actually, I don't think it would have made any difference had it been his daughter. I think he wants to protect the culture more than the people who are harmed by that culture. And I actually find it really shameful that his daughters have been pulled into this. And obviously his mum, she is so desperate for her son not to face accountability for his actions that she's put herself on hunger strike and locked herself in a
1: fucking church. Like, what? That was was mentioned during the interview as well. Oh, your poor mum, like, you must be so worried about her. Again, I, you know, I don't want his mum to die. That's pretty, that would be shit. But, 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 but no, not his poor mum. Not his poor mum. She chose to do this. Like... I totally get wanting to defend
0: your son, but, like, it's just the... The publicity around this, it's the drama around this, it's it's all of the... Let's just create as much noise around this as possible. It's, it's They're having a tantrum. They're all having a fucking tantrum about the fact that he's been caught red-handed doing something naughty. Go manage those feelings in your own time. Like, all you're saying to people now is be careful if you step forward because this is the reaction you're going to cause. And again, that's not right. It is not up to the victim to keep the perpetrator's secrets so that they can avoid public humiliation or an uncomfortable ride. That isn't how this works. And using people's daughters and mothers to, to kind of garner some sort of sympathy. Again, it's up to the perpetrator not to commit the crime. It's not up to the victim not to talk about the crime that's been committed. And, you know, talking about daughters, I was really disappointed in Prince William for putting Princess Charlotte into his apology video where he announced that he wouldn't be attending the World Cup final, despite the fact it was the first time since 1966 that an England team has made it into a World Cup final. And despite the fact that, you know, he's president of the FA, so it kind of feels like it would be a big deal for him. Um, But no, instead he decides to show his support by pulling Princess Charlotte into a video to show, look at me and my daughter, like, we do support the women. And what I just kept thinking about was like, well, where are your sons? (laughs) Like, there are two other children in your family unit. Do they also not enjoy women's football? Why, Why is this just a Princess Charlotte thing? I don't know, I'm just so bored of like women being used as
1: props when it's Five advantageous sisters. for men. It's all that thing, oh, they've got, yeah. me, you know, they've got a sister, they've got... Who fucking cares? Absolutely. If asshole. all of a sudden
0: you're concerned about the women in your life, maybe you should have thought about them before you started kissing women at your
1: work. Absolutely. And I think, and I think the thing is, there are also people saying, like, what is the big deal? It's just a kiss. And I think we come back to all the things we've said previously about like it's not just anything like everything starts somewhere and if we say oh well it's just a kiss like it's not that much of a big deal it's just a little slap on the bum it's not that much of a big deal oh he just grabbed a boob that's not that much of a big deal oh you know it wasn't full rape that's ultimately where it goes but also it's not just a kiss like it is about the way it makes a whole load of people feel about football, about women in football, about women's sport, about like what this has done to the Spanish team's victory. And I know in the grand scheme of things, in you know, in this in the scheme of all the shit that happens around the world, the way people feel about women's football and those who love it, it doesn't matter. But the point is, is there was progress being made, and this is just feels like it's just stamped it back down. Mm. Like but yeah, it isn't just a kiss. It's about what it says about what someone like him feels that they can do on a public stage, live on air and and the, uh, entitlement. the entitlement, but also the permission that it grants other people to do to do things you know it's exactly the same as what trump did trump says all these awful things does all these awful things and so what that does is it means other people can say and do awful things it's exactly the same why did that guy feel that he could on live air pinch a newsreader's bum because he'd got permission yep yep completely agree
0: and i think that's what that's what terrifies me about all of this is when people go you know like like they fucking know. And this is the thing as well. These are grown men who have lived in the world for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Like they know none of this has been okay. They've just, it's what they've been allowed to get away for, like away with. And people know you can't just go up to people and kiss them because they'd be really fucking pissed off if someone came and did it to them in the middle of the street, right? They, they know this is incorrect. And if you have had that happen to you and you're like, well, you know, it happened to me. I don't know why the women are complaining. It's fucking abuse. Go
1: and report it. Like, it just really gets under my skin. But not only that, these these are grown men who have not just, you know, grown up in this world, but they've lived through the last five years of Me Too. Yep. Me Too started in 2017. Mm -hmm. We've had all of that stuff that's happened. We've had repeated things come out in the media and in the news about all these different people. and, And these people still think it's appropriate. Yeah. To do something like that. Yep. It was also really upsetting though.
0: It was only one male football player came out against all this right at the very beginning.
1: Yep. So it happened on the 20th and it wasn't until the... uh, Sometime in September, wasn't it? Hang on, wait. Let me just find it. It's on my list. It's on my list. The 4th of September, the men's team condemned him. So... You know that is thirty days has September, April, June, and November. All those it's like fifteen days, fifteen yeah. days after it happened. Did the men seem go? That wasn't all right. Yeah, and I'm
0: going to play devil's advocate here and say you know the men probably needed those two weeks to try and work out which side of the line they needed to be on because at the end of the day, the powers that be who are currently under investigation also control their careers. So I can understand the hesitation, but I think when we talk about allyship. What we're referring to is that you've got to help us dismantle these systems that protect half the population, but then abuse the other half. And if you are willing to participate and uphold these structures, well, then you're not an ally. I think that's why it was so funny watching so many people publicly applaud Ruby Ellis in his I'm not going to resign speech, but now have backtracked and said, oh, actually, you know, we don't like we condone his behavior instead. Because they've worked out that's the wrong side of the line. And it's just like for women, we don't get that luxury of time to figure out. We have to we have to deal with the consequences of male behavior. And we have to stand up for ourselves in those moments. And we'd really love it if men didn't need 15 days to, to stand with us. Another thing to note is obviously Louis Rubielis is now, um, well, on Friday, he was in a closed court case. So that was the 15th of September. Uh, So he is under investigation. And and as Rhiannon pointed out earlier, he has been given a restraining order. So he can't come within 200 metres of Jenny Hermoso. So we don't have all of the facts of this case yet because it's not finished. But one thing to note is people kept going, like, why did he get the opportunity to resign? Why didn't they just sack him? And apparently the RFEF, the way it's been designed basically means that they are not able to sack Louis Rubielis without legal action. So this is kind of what this court case is about as well. So obviously he has resigned now, so that is less important. But um, obviously getting to the bottom of whether this was assault or not assault, um, I think a lot of people are keen to understand the legal position. And also I think people are quite rightly concerned that because Louis Rubielis was able to resign on his own terms, that he's just going to be able to walk into any other establishment and do exactly the same things there. So probably
1: go to another another team that gives no shits. I mean, as as we said earlier, you know, Atletico Madrid's the the manager there said, I don't know who's in the wrong. Like yeah. what? Oh, the president, the president of Atletico Madrid. I don't know who needs to apologise to who. I mean, yeah. a, the rest of the world fucking does. <laughs> well. I mean, grab, grab a glass of wine and have a break from sexual assault. Right. Shut yourself in the room, in your room and watch some Grace and Frankie.
0: I mean, Grace and Frankie is always great advice. Um, but, you know, I, I personally have found this last 10 days to be quite a lot. So I will be logging offline for a few days, I think, just to, just to give my, my brain...
1: A little bit of a break from all of it and it's okay to do that right it's okay like we all want to do that fight the good fight thing we all want to carry on we want to know what's happening we want to fight against the bad things that are happening but there's only so much we can take on so just give yourself a breather because if you're not in your right headspace then uh you're not going to be able to carry on trying to fight the good fight you're just gonna it's it's it all gets too much. So we get it. Yeah, absolutely. And on that note. On that note, grab a glass of wine and take a break from social media. And uh, we're sure there'll be an update on all of this soon. But And hopefully it'll go in the way we all want the unfair sex is not sponsored so if you liked our show please show your support by liking subscribing and sharing on all your favorite social media platforms we're on twitter at the unfair sex we're on instagram and facebook as at the unfair sex podcast and you can email us the at gmail.com.